0: Hello and welcome to the Shining Bees Podcast, the podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy, and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host, Joe Millmine and this is episode 125, Hawkshaw Sheep with Sue Hall. Hello, and welcome into another episode of the Shiny Bees Podcast 125 with me today, Joe Millmine, your host. And I'm going to be accompanied today by the fantastic Sue Horn of Hawkshaw Sheep, who is an absolute delight. She is the smiliest, the cheeriest, and loveliest person. And I know you're going to really enjoy hearing from her all about her journey from sheep farmer to yarn producer. And obviously, she's still a sheep farmer, uh, living up in Cumbria, and everything that goes along with that. She is an absolute delight, as I've said. And I'm really excited to bring this interview to you because I think what once you get to know her, you'll love her absolutely as much as I do. I just really, really enjoy spending time with Sue and she makes some awesome yarns as well up at Hawkshaw Sheep. So I've got her coming up for you as well, which is exciting today. I always love an interview show because it's really, really good to introduce you to some of the my favourite yarny people around and about the UK in particular. We do have quite a strong UK focus on this show because I'm UK based for now. And, um, so you can get to know them and their stories and everything else because I like talking to them as well which is why I like to share them with all of you. So that's who we've got coming up today and in the meantime I'm just going to give you a very, very quick bit of news regarding a speaking engagement that I have coming up. It's next week, it's the 5th of December, it's Wednesday from 6.30pm till 9.30pm in Central Manchester. I'm going to be on a panel at Pod That which is run by Emma Hall of art of podcast and pod that is a meetup for all people's podcasting and this week we're going to be talking about growing your audience so if you are curious about starting a podcast or if you have one and want to know how to get more listeners then come along and learn from me and our distinguished panel of guests on all basically strip back all the things that I've learned about building an audience I'm going to share. As will the other panellists, it's free to attend. It's in central Manchester, in St Peter's Square on the 5th of December. And I would love to see you there if you can make it. The tickets are available on Eventbrite. I will put a link in the show notes and I will drop it in the podcast community as well for you if you're in there. And all you need to do is just register to say you're coming just so we know how many people to expect because, you know, like health and safety and all that and come along next Wednesday. If you come in, do uh, send me a message, let me know, because I absolutely want to find you and say hello. And obviously, I will be there to answer questions as part of the panel. But if you have any questions, as my listeners, then absolutely, I'm super keen to help you out with that. So that is pod that at WeWork Manchester at number one St. Peter's Square on the 5th of December, between half six and half nine so without further ado I think we should get into the interview like I say I'm super excited to be bringing Sue onto the show to meet all of you and I think you'll really enjoy her story so grab yourself a brew get a blanket and some thick fluffy hand knitted socks because it is freezing and raining in the north today and we will crack on with the show So, I'm super excited today to be welcoming Sue Horn onto the show and uh, for her to tell us all about um Hawkshaw Sheep and living on the farm and all of the cool stuff um that she's been getting up to recently. So for those people that don't know you Sue, um can you give us a little bit of your background and tell us uh, about yourself and about um Hawkshaw sheep?
1: Yeah, um, I moved up to Scotland from Cumbria um oh it was in 2008 and at that time my other half that I moved in with was the shepherd on the farm and there was 1500 sheep I think cheviot sheep and he looked after one part and I looked after the other however after a year I moved in the guy who owns the place decided to sell the sheep um which he did, and um, we still had a few cheviots left on the place, um, so we we bred them up a bit and uh, kind of kept going with the cheviots, and then it would be in about 2013. Um, we were working with the cheviots, and they were such hard work; they would run at you and hit you rather than go round you. And if you were dozing them or something in the pens, they would put their head under the sheep in front, and you would try and get it out, and then they'd jump up and smack you in the mouth. <laughs> so <laughs> we decided that one of us was going to get seriously hurt with these flipping sheep, because they were, they were like Shetland ponies. They were about the size of a Shetland pony. Um. So we sold those, and we replaced them with... Shetland and Hebridean sheep, which are much smaller, much more biddable, and they don't try and kill you at every opportunity. So we kept them for a a couple of years and just kind of bred them up, and um, they were just more of a hobby, really. But then when it came to selling the fleeces, because most of the fleeces were coloured, I realised it was costing me more to get the fleeces off. Then I was actually getting paid for the fleeces. Even though the fleeces were beautiful fleeces, they were fine, lovely colours, the wool board didn't want them because they were coloured, which is a, I think is a story you hear from a lot of people. Um. So I ended up going to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival and seeing all the yarn and all the people, and I thought, I could do that. I'm sure I could. So that was kind of when the seed was sown and, um, yeah, I sort of went, came back home and researched it a bit and decided that the next clip, I was going to sink my life savings into it and get the fleeces processed into yarn, which I did. Um, and then suddenly realized that, you know, yarn doesn't sell itself. You have to promote it and, um, do lots of social media and lots of marketing and yeah so I didn't try and sell it straight away um I got the yarn in the January and I launched the business in June at Woolfest this year so that's sort of a brief look at how I arrived here
0: I love that I love how you just went I could do that
1: And went and did it. I mean, why not? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's how I tend to do things. I can do that. And then suddenly it hits you that there's maybe rather more to this than meets the eye. (laughs) And it has been kind of flat out ever since, really, Um, because I didn't do social media before I started the business. And I found that quite a steep learning curve. And I hadn't a clue about marketing, and I still don't think I have a clue about marketing. I just kind of try and promote and do what I can. Uh, I have a lot to learn there yet. But I'm sure as time goes on, it's bound to get a little bit easier, I hope.
0: Yeah, of course it will, because you don't just have yarn either, do you? You also make your own, or have your own fabric made.
1: Yes. Yeah, I had a a bolt of um, tweed cloth made from the... The last of our white sheep that we had, well, there was four black ones as well, went into it. So it's a two-coloured cloth. Um, so, yeah, I make accessories and things from that. And, yeah, and then I have all the sheep work to do. Uh, my other half gathers the sheep for me um, purely because I have a, a thing called kibota that I go to the hill on. And it's a bit like a, a golf buggy on steroids. Mm-hmm. It's a big four-wheel drive thing. It's got a roof and it's got a steering wheel. And uh, I tend to get it stuck quite a lot. (laughs) And then I have to be rescued and he goes ballistic at me for getting it stuck. But there is some new transport, possibly going to be arriving soon, that has four legs. So he's wanting to get me a horse so I can go and gather the sheep without getting stuck (laughs) I'm not 100% sure about this as I would really like less things to look after but if it means I can be sort of self-sufficient and do my own thing then I'm all for it really because I used to ride horses years ago I was going to say, are you much of a horsewoman or
0: was this just one of those like, oh, you know what we could solve this problem with? A horse. And you can't can't ride, you can actually ride a horse.
1: Yes, yeah. No, I used to do loads and loads and loads of horse riding. I used to compete at one day events and things many moons ago in another life. Um, But I haven't sat on a horse for seven years now. So that could be mm, a few hot baths needed. (laughs) Oh, so,
0: like, obviously, you've talked a little bit there about how you came to be producing yarn and your own cloth, and you talked about looking after the sheep and things. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, a lot of knitters who think, Oh, wouldn't it be lovely to have a little croft or a little small holding and get some sheep and, you know, we could live the good life? That like, what is that the reality of your day to day life? What, what does it look like on a typical kind of autumn morning when you
1: get up? Yeah. Um... Where I live is high up in the hills in the Scottish borders and we get weather. Everybody else thinks they have weather, but we get weather. Um, I think it's wet more days than it's dry. And we get very, very um, murky, damp, just dismal days where it's never light. And you still have to go outside. And see to things I mean luckily the sheep are out on the hill so they don't really get seen they only come in sort of four times a year but there is four Wensleydale sheep that are real divas and from now until ooh, March anyway they need feeding every day um, so you have to go out and do that and there is just some days when you really would rather not go out but you have to um so yeah it's not all you know chicken scratching in the dirt and uh sheep coming running up to you um yeah and sheep have a habit of wanting to die for the least possible reason um <laughs> Well, I have to say, my Shetlands and Hebrideans are pretty good at staying alive. Um, the Cheviots used to be a nightmare for it. You'll go one morning and there would be one line with its legs sticking up in the air, stone dead, for <laughs> apparently no reason at all. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and there's all sorts of nasty things that happen to sheep. Um, like, in the summer... We're not too bad where we live because we don't get these hot, sunny days that everybody else seems to get. But they can get fly strike, which is where flies lay their eggs in the fleece and then they hatch into maggots and start to eat the sheep alive. Ugh. Uh, yeah, oof. and then you then have to get in there and clip all the fleece away and scrape all the maggots out and treat them. Um, otherwise, yeah. They basically eat them alive, which is not very pleasant. Um, and they get foot rot, which is the most foul-smelling thing that I think I've ever smelled. And if you get it on your fingers, doesn't matter how many baths you have, it'll take a week to disappear. So you've got to kind of plan when you're going to do any feet for foot rot. You don't want to be doing it if you're going to a wedding or something the next day. <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 a great life, but I think you've got to be a certain type of person to get on with it. Um, There's plenty of days when I felt I could just give all this up. I'm fed up of it, but you don't. You get up, you get out there, you do what you've got to do, and um, you know. But a lot of people, it would break them. I think. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think the uh, the romance and the idea of it is a little bit detached from the reality of uh, some of the stuff you've got to do when you've got animals and sheep uh, in particular.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit like, you know, if you've got dogs, you've got to walk them and you've got to walk them whatever the weather. Um, but when you've got stock, you tend to have to be out a bit longer and deal with them. Um, And you can't sort of choose when you go out either, you know, you've got to, if they're expecting something to eat between, let's say, 8 and 10 o'clock, you've got to go out between 8 and 10 o'clock to feed them, otherwise they get a bit stressed about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So taking it back to the, the kind of birth of your business, really, and getting into making your own yarn and getting cloth made which is like one step further I think there's quite a few people getting yarn spun or getting them made or using fleeces to have them made Um people are starting to do that more often but I'm not seeing as many people having fabric made and um, you said that, that that was something that was new to you and you just jumped in with both feet and thought right I'm going to make something out of this. Um, where did you start in that with that process Cause from knowing nothing about it to um, get into that product where you that, that point where you have a product that you can offer.
1: Um, I suppose the first part of call would be the internet, trying to see where the mills were and you know what what could be done with fleece. Um, and last year I went to the natural fiber company because I I knew people who'd been there. Um, once I got, did the internet stuff. And then I went to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival and started chatting to people. And uh, I'd heard, you know, that the yarn that was coming out of there was nice. So I went with them. And then the cloth was just really, I had, I think it was 15, i had 20 cheviot fleeces. And I didn't really know whether cheviot yarn would be a thing you know it's a little bit coarser than the shetland and the hebridean and i thought gosh that's an awful lot of skeins of yarn in cheviot if nobody actually wants it Mm. um so i started looking around in on the internet and discovered that selkirk which is not very far it's about an hour's drive from me had about three weaving mills and a further investigation, there was two of them that did um, custom weaving. So I rang one of them up and asked if they would do this weaving for me. And, you know, if I had enough yarn, because some of them want, you know, huge amounts. Um, and I think this guy think it was about 10 meters was his minimum and I had enough yarn he thought to get about 30 out of it um as it happened I got 37 and a half meters from my 20 fleeces um so yeah it's a I'm pleased I did it and I think I'm going to do it again this year um but I'm not I'm not sure yet I have to wait and see what fleeces are available for that but it's 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 like the yarn it's it's sitting there it doesn't eat anything it doesn't need looking after you know once you've got it you've got it sort of thing oh cool so because I mean I've Obviously, I know
0: a fair bit from, from working with people about getting things custom spun, but I've, like I said, I've never dealt with them um, having stuff custom woven, so it's really interesting to hear that you can just go and find a little weaver and get get some, you know, if you've got the idea of it, you can
1: go and get it done. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I went to a guy, um, Andrew Elliott, purely because on his website it sounds stupid but I got a good vibe yeah I mean how you get a good vibe off a website I'm not sure um but anyway I went with him and I went to see him and it's the most amazing place it's um a little building that used to be the yarn store for the big mills next door and however the big mills are long since shut down and the buildings are sort of ruined now but he still has his little building, and it hasn't changed, I don't think since the sixties. You go in and it's got that old building smell mm. and the it's got wooden stairs um like hard hard wooden stairs and the they're the sort of dished with the thousands of feet that have gone up and down them. Um, it's just oh it's just like stepping back in time. it's fabulous. It really is. Um, and he does a fantastic job. So I'm pleased I went with him.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a, a really interesting place. I love old buildings like that. Yeah, yeah. It, um,
1: yeah, it was. It was. It's really fascinating. And he's got old machinery and it all smells of oil. And, and oh, I just, yeah. Yeah, it just felt right.
0: Did it need to be a specific type of spin to make it? good for weaving for what you wanted or could he work with what you already sort of had because quite often you find that old machinery it tends to because it was designed for a certain purpose and a lot of the times it's victorian machinery um so it's been designed for blanket weaving or it's been designed for this type of yarn or that type of fleece sometimes they can't necessarily handle different staple lengths or different types of fiber because it's old machinery so did what was he just able to take what you had because it was cheevia or was it how, how did it all come about I'm just, I'm just interested in the story of, of of how he decided to do it
1: no I when I sent it away to the natural fiber company I specified I wanted weaving yarn right fun so it was um it was a singles uh yarn and it was spun to seven Yorkshire skein weight which means absolutely nothing to me <laughs> But the weaving guy knew what it meant, <laughs> um, and he said it would produce uh, more of a coating cloth than a jacket cloth. However, when it came back, it is it is like a jacket cloth. It's not a heavy a heavy cloth. It's um, yeah, it's more of a jacket weight cloth, and it drapes beautifully. It really does.
0: Yeah, because I've seen your um, obviously I've seen it, um, your material and some of the stuff you've made out of it as well.
1: Mm. Yeah, I had a bit of a mad couple of couple of three weeks before um, before Woolfest, trying to get stuff made and put together. um, You know, just to take with me because I only have four different colours of yarn so I didn't think you know that it was terribly exciting (laughs) just the four colors so I made all sorts of things cushions, iPad covers, dog collars, dog leads, Um, yeah all sorts of bits and pieces.
0: No it's cool I like how it's been a really organic process really from just deciding that you're going to do it and jumping in and figuring it out as you go along it's Quite inspiring for everybody else who's listening, maybe thinking about it too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I think back, I can't believe I've actually gone and done it, but <laughs> but I have, and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's um, I've done what three three shows now, and uh, yeah, really, really enjoying it. Yeah, many people on the hall tend to be really nice and you know chat about yarn and wool all day <laughs> although I did have an experience at um at wool because normally yarny people they fondle yarn they pick it up and they look at it they stroke it they smell it they put it to their face they they seem to adore it and I had this woman came up and grabbed a skein of yarn by the scruff of its neck and was strangling it and she sort of waggled it in my face and said will this make a jumper and I said to her well that depends depends on what it's your yarn you should know and she was gripping this yarn tighter and tighter and I thought if you want to buy it I'm not going to sell you it (laughs) using my yarn (laughs) Oh, yeah really I was surprised at my reaction actually that I could get kind of annoyed at somebody manhandling my yarn I love that I love that because <laughs> like you
0: say it's gone from this thing where it's like I, I need to do something with these fleeces because it's costing me money to get them sheared to to making something and to then wanting to to lamp this woman one pretty much because she's <laughs> uh, she's roughhousing your yarn
1: yeah uh, and you- she's the only person that's ever ever done that um so I don't know quite where she was coming from but I never did get to tell her that it depended what sort of jumper she wanted I mean it would maybe make a baby jumper but but anyway she chucked it back in the box and walked on
0: people are weird (laughs) yeah Um, so thinking ahead then obviously you've you've done quite a bit of stuff now and you've you've found your feet and you've done a few shows what sort of things have you got coming up or things that you've got coming out that we can look forward to?
1: Well, I sent a few fleeces off to the border mill. Um, last year, it was at Yarndale. The border mill were there, and I, I... I mean, I didn't even have any yarn of any sort at that point. But I was thinking, if I sent some to the border mill, which is in Duns in Scotland... I would then have a yarn that I could claim to be 100% Scottish as it's been grown and processed in Scotland. So at Yarndale last year, I booked in about, I think it was 30 kilos of fleece with the border mill. And uh, that was due to be sent to them. I think it had to be there by the 14th of August. Well, because they weather this year has just been oh it's just been appalling we didn't get our sheep clipped until the 6th of August and um, we had to obviously get them clipped and then all the fleeces I just bundled them up into a trailer that's uh, waterproof and vermin proof and I then had to start sorting these fleeces and anyway I, I just couldn't get them done in time for the 14th so I think it was the 17th when I took them over and I just went on Friday and collected the yarn from them and Mm -hmm. there's some very interesting things have come back Um, I've got 100% alpaca in white and there is some black cheviot which I thought might be a bit Crisp, is that the word they use these days, rather than coarse? I thought it might have been a bit scratchy. <laughs> However, it's come back and it's it's lovely. It really is lovely. I'm very impressed with it. And then there is some Hebridean Wensleydale and, alp- and Alpaca blend, which, again, is really, really nice. Considering it's uh, got about 95% Hebridean in it, it's come back and it's really nice. I'm very impressed with that. So I now have my Scottish yarns, but uh, I don't know when they'll be available because I have to make labels for them and get them labelled up and everything. So it's it could be next year before I get round to actually launching those
0: you can't leave us all hanging now you see i'm after some of that already yeah well um
1: it, it'll yeah i'm not going to put myself under huge pressure deadlines to to get everything labeled up because i i make all the labels myself and you know tie them on and what have you and uh yeah i've got quite a bit coming up this next week or two and then then it'll be the Kids will be off school and uh, I have a grandson that lives with us, so he'll be off school, so there's you can't sort of sit down and get stuck into anything because he's always wanting something.
0: Yeah, him to label him.
1: (laughs) Oh oh, yeah.
0: What are you waiting for? I I used to have I used to make Izzy do it. She used to help me pack all my yarn.
1: Yeah, he's um is of the generation that can't tie shoelaces, unfortunately. It's all Velcro with him, and I have ribbon that I tie onto the yeah onto the yarn. So yeah,
0: unless I put Velcro on. You could you I mean you could Velcro it? I, I don't know how well that'd go down with the yarn. Just just pre- no. sell it. Just put it up for sale and then stick a label on when you want to send it out. Job done. There you go. Oh yeah, you can have that one for free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, since- I had sorry, go sorry. Ahead. i had a moment um last weekend i was on the saturday i was at the scottish smallholder festival vending and i have some carded bats that i actually i washed the fleeces and carded them for my own use before i even thought about starting a business so i had loads of these carded bats so I thought, oh, i'll put some of them on my stand And they've sold really well. Um, So, as I say, Saturday I was at the Smallhold Festival and I sold one or two. Sunday I went down to Yarndale. And Sunday night when I got back, I had an internet order. Now, on my shop, I have stock control so that if something's out of stock, you can't buy it.
0: Mm.
1: Except I'd sold some. At at um, the Scottish Smallholder Festival, and somebody had ordered quite a number of bats, and I hadn't enough. So last Monday I had to go and find a fleece and start washing it, drying it and carding it within 24 hours to get my order out. <laughs> I thought that'll teach me. <laughs> I just never gave it a thought that you know anybody would buy a great quantity of them but i suppose you should uh, learn to expect the unexpected but yeah that was a bit of a panic <laughs> oh well, it's all good if you
0: um if, if you get it sorted in the end it's fine if your customer's happy it's one of those things that you just learn when you start running a business that these things just happen and you find ways to get around them
1: yes yeah yeah i mean it was uh, yeah it was quite hectic Um, because I'd forgotten how much work was actually involved, because it's a couple of years since I actually made these bats. And, uh, yeah, it took me a good 24 hours to get the fleece washed, dried, and kind of pulled apart, ready to card. It was, uh, yeah, I'll not do that again. (laughs) Lesson learned. (laughs) Awesome.
0: So... Where is the best place for people to come and find you and all your lovely fabric and yarn and everything else that you've got?
1: Right. Well, they can find me on the internet at www.hawkshaw-sheep-yarn.com. UK.
0: lovely i will put links to all that in the show notes so that people can find all of the appropriate details if they want to come check you out yes please well see so it's been wonderful chatting to you and hearing all about your your journey into making and uh, selling your own yarn and starting your business with that and the farm and um i will let you go go back and uh, go, go and wrangle <laughs> some of your sheep <laughs> So, there you go. That was Sue. Isn't she fun? I really like Sue. Now, that interview was originally recorded last year. I know, I can't believe how long it's taken me to get that out. Um, so, some of the date references in there won't still be extant because it was um, some time ago. Now, So, all of the stuff that was mentioned, um, go over to Sue's website at hawkshaw sheep yarnco Dot uk and you can find it all the links as always will be in the show notes which you will find at shinybees.com forward slash one two five so that's all we've got time for today I hope you enjoyed that chat with Sue I'm looking forward to be being back with you again next week but until then have a lovely week happy crafting and I will speak to you again soon cheers you've been listening to the shiny bees podcast full show notes for this episode are available on the website at shinybees.com forward slash one two five if you've enjoyed this episode it would really help me out if you would hop over to itunes and leave a positive review over there to help other people find the show